0: to the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Got something a little bit special for you, something a little bit different today. Uh, some of my friends from an organization that I worked with uh, last year in 2021, uh, Limbok, had me on their podcast, Limbach Unlocked, talking about diversity and leadership and things of that nature. So I thought this would be a good podca- podcast to share on this feed. Uh, we talked for about 37 minutes or so. Uh, but I think we touched on some really cool and unique concepts and ideas, and I got their permission to share this podcast with you. So enjoy my episode of Limbock Unlocked with Katie Ministry, and I hope you get something out of it.
1: Is guest speaker, Rowdy Duncan. Rowdy is a professor and consultant in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and he's joining us today to talk specifically about Native people groups. What he shares is in many ways surprising, because while talking about one specific population, he identifies some key universal applications to just being better humans and running a stronger business. Tune in to find out how. Let's get started, shall we? All right. Hi, Rowdy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's going to be really, really great to touch on this topic. I know there's a lot of things we could be covering. We have a limited amount of time, but Mm -hmm. so glad you're with us. Could you, could we start with you telling us your story, who you are um, and why, why you're here to talk about this with us?
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, especially to get to tell a background when it's time to t- talk on these issues, because the truth is some of our backgrounds are squishy and complicated. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, I'm mixed race. Uh, I am like through my mother, I've uh, got some occasion, uh, but my father was Taos Pueblo. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't really get raised in my culture due to domestic violence and abuse, uh, drug mm-hmm. abuse, alcohol abuse. So there was a time where we had to leave him when I was about two, or uh, much, much younger than two, actually, I think around one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really have deep connections to my Taos people because we were afraid of his folks knowing where we were and people getting followed and things yeah. like that. So, I racially am native, but it's hard because that deep house culture isn't something that I got to be raised with. And so I have this experience of being a, a brown person, but like, you know, I didn't have a deep connection to my ancestral roots, but being a professor um, and then also having the business that I have, like, you know, when you have some esteem and any success within your community, you're definitely seen as a leader and embraced as such. And I really appreciate that that's uh, happened as I've grown older. Um, so, because of my role and because of my background, I'm asked to speak and lead, and also, um, you know, advocate for change on behalf of Native people. And so, um, that's a little bit about who I am and kind of how I got to be in the space I'm at.
1: Yeah, and and let me probe a bit further if you don't mind, because. You had mentioned that um, growing up, you didn't have much to do with that part of your history and that part of your Mm -hmm. background. But since then, you've you've taken very intentional steps to learn more and Mm -hmm. to reconnect, right? So what has that looked like for you?
0: Well, kind of what's nice about this experience I personally have is I think that's something people all need to do especially Mm. folks that aren't native to this continent, right? Because we're all descended from a people. And it's hard because when you say, like, you're American, what does that mean, right? We eat hot dogs, we like fireworks, we eat apple pie. (laughs) But, like, what else does that mean, right? Yeah. Um, So for me, it was really kind of coming back to what was it like to be a group of people that lived with deep, meaningful connections in small, uh, tight-knit tribal communities? Uh, And I also tried to get a sense of, like, because there was you know folks don't always know like you know there was more like warrior warrior type tribes and then there Mm -hmm. was much more peaceful more matriarchal tribes and i think Mm -hmm. uh tao's folks uh trended more to the matriarchal side just that we were able to grow food and there was abundance of it so there's two ways of kind of like getting there right there's the book learning that you could do about your own personal history Mm -hmm. but then there's The exposure just to people and their way—that you have to just take a lot of time to spend time with to deeply understand—and so uh, I did my my book work. (laughs) Like it's it's happened and it's ongoing, but I think I've always learned the most by just hanging and being around people. And it's interesting because, like, you know, there's this concept in our world called pan-Indian that's like. assuming, like, all Native people are the same, which is not the case, right? Because this continent is huge. Um, But there are themes of things that can be kind of similar. But you also find patterns of connection, like, you know, folks from the Southwest here tend to be a certain way because, like, you know, it's not as different from place to place. Right. Um, But in general, uh, I always love spending time with it. I just got done with a leadership uh, retreat with a group of Native folks um and there's just so much laughing and fun and teasing and good times um but i find those things when i actually get in and become among a group of people that accept me right mm-hmm. they just kind of relax and be themselves but i i wish everybody had the opportunity to go back and do some of that stuff because you know who you were as a people like say you're from like Scotland, there's actually deep stuff that you can find with some tribal connections to that thing. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't know how, but I think the beginning of learning is understanding you wanna know, and then those things start to arise.
1: Right, it's that awareness first, like you said, and there's so much there that we could go through, but I first, I feel like we need to get the nomenclature right, because I've heard you say native peoples. Um, You also mentioned Indians and I know it's been said native americans what's the proper term for this group
0: so there is not a proper term okay um and that's what's hard is like it's going to be situational and circumstantial i know a lot of folks are looking at doing um land acknowledgements right and Hmm. so they're like well we should call them their ancestral name and i'm like well but that's complicated because like their tribal sovereignty is under a different name, right? And you might want to recognize your tribal sovereignty. So like, would Navajo people want to be called Navajo because they have tribal sovereignty under that name? Or do they want to be called their name, their ancestral name? So there's a lot of names for folks. Um, When it's time to talk tribal sovereignty, it's American Indian, because that's the way it's written Um, in law. Native works, uh, indigenous peoples to the North America's 500 First Nations. So Dude. honestly, the best thing to do is just say, hey, I understand you come from the people of this land. What's the name <laughs> you want to be called? Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. And I think that makes sense too when you're like your call to action to all of our listeners, no matter what your background is, um, explore it, get to know it and ask those people, hey, what are we called? Or what yeah. would what would you call yourself? Um right that gives voice to the group as well which I think is important so I'm gonna to refer to um, Native Americans native uh, or American Indians as native peoples if that's okay yeah, that's all right so who is a native person if we were to define and I know you said you identify um, as half yeah but but you've gotten to know this wonderful culture um, mm-hmm. and this group. So, how would you? I don't want to even say categorize, but how how would you describe the native person?
0: Yeah, that's a whole can of worms too, right? <laughs> oh <gosh>. um, <clears throat> because you know we have this intermediary of a a tribal or a a government entity that defines kind of who we are Mm. and that's become it's a a source of a lot of pain and difficulty because some nations are are seen as enrolled tribal members Mm. and are recognized by such by the u.s government however on the west coast they kind of stopped doing a lot of that stuff so say tribes in California, like, yeah, they're native peoples for sure. And we know we they've been there forever. However, they're not a ri- federally recognized tribe, right? Mm-hmm. And So they don't have that same tribal sovereignty. However, that makes them less native. Um, and then too, when we start to get more expansive and less rigid in our thinking, it's kind of hard to call like even Hispanic people non-natives because like, Really, they're just mixed native people because we would migrate hundreds of miles depending wow. on where we were, right? Some yeah. folks that might be identified as Mexican, like, well, can you really say they were Mexican? Because they were both in the Mexico area as well as the US area. And here yeah. in Arizona, this was Mexico. So like, it's so complicated. Great point. So like saying who is and who isn't, it's not one of those things that's really easy to do. But that's where, again, just sit back to listen to stories and get a sense of what's going on. But generally speaking, on this land, um, the best way to describe what that would be is whoever were the people of the land of blank that was situated somewhere on this continent. But this mm. continent
1: is huge. <laughs> huge. I know. So when even when we say Native American, I think we tend to think the United States of America. Yes. But North America, South America, Central right. America, I mean right. we are talking right. everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. It really is hard to pinpoint, and you you've mentioned the land quite a few times, as well as listening to stories. Those mm-hmm. are two things that I'm somewhat familiar with as identification or I- identifiers of um, Native peoples' culture. Mm-hmm. Is that true? And and could you expand on that a little bit more?
0: Very very much so. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I've identified this like idea. It's called like. There's, we know about colonization, people talk about decolonization, trying to undo that thing. But I've been made aware of this idea beyond decolonization, which is called indigeneity. It's Mm. how do we return to the practices that we did when we were known as people of the land of wherever. And it's important to note that native tends to be more of a word to describe the experience of the peoples of North America. However, indigenous is something that's a global phenomenon Yes. and yeah. all people are descended from indigenous people. And so <clears throat> the real way, I, best way to describe what that is and kind of like how that works is helping people get an understanding of the, the idea that, you know, we are all just people of the land. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we came from. And it's interesting because I think within Western culture, there's this idea that like, like we don't really see or recognize those things. Um, and when I get really reflective, one of the things I have in like my email signature because I think it's important to note um, mm-hmm. is perhaps when our blood returns to the sea, perhaps when our bones and muscle returns to the the dirt of this earth, perhaps it is then we will remember it is not the earth that belongs to us. It's us who belongs to the earth, Hmm. right? To really get us to understand if the ground were not here, we would not be here as well. But that's where I think there's like a kinship and a thing that moves across peoples to connect us back to, we are people of the land of, but you can even see in that quote, how that story and that idea really gives you a deep, meaningful connection to who you are.
1: Oh my goodness. The connectedness of people to people, I think is what we, is a lot of time, what we think of um, as Westerners, especially like, yeah, of course, human to human connection makes sense. Yeah. But human to earth, a little mm. more abstract, right. human to sun, moon, Scott, right. way abstract, you know, right. but But the native uh, people culture, what I've read and what I've heard is it's, we're all connected and there is a reverence for one another. And when I say one another, it's earth included.
0: Yeah. All my relations is what we call it. Right. And we Um, even give rocks and bodies of water spiritual, like, um, like a spiritual, there's a word that I can't think of. Uh, mm-hmm. significance, right? Like we mm-hmm. recognize there's a spirit to that entity and we respect it as though it were a living being. And it's funny because in our world, we don't have words for sustainability because to need a word like sustainability would means the possibility of you getting so far out of whack and potentially dead is too close. you if you even had that concept. Your, your life is threatened because you're so disconnected from all your relations, or even like understanding that like you're empowered by seven generations of ancestors that bring you forward to where you are today. Um, it's a way of thinking that I think is very empowering because it recognizes you didn't do this on your own. And when it's time to do something that you might be worried <laughs> about being bigger or beyond you, um it's not really the case right because you have yeah. like seven generations of ancestors on your back you know at your back yeah and you're standing on the shoulders of those folks um but it's hard because when we disbelieve the truth of that narrative we can feel lonely and isolated uh, like we're all on our own right and i think you see a lot of that in today's society
1: I- and my head is swimming because i'm just thinking about we'll talk about this in a bit, but I'm just thinking about how there's so many connotations here for leadership and for organizations yeah. and especially, I mean, in academia as well, you, you know, being a professor that there is more of a movement to to pull from the insights of indigenous cultures because we are realizing we can't do this on our own and we need even something so simple as going out to walk in nature to reset yeah. or to reflect right. <laughs> these are yeah. things that should not be mind-blowing but they are to corporate America
0: <laughs> they are yes it's funny when I was hanging out with uh, these native folks over the weekend I was telling them about the phenomenon of explaining this indigeneity thing mm-hmm. and they're like you know and they say what did they say and they go and i said rowdy like you know i I tell they'll say like white folks will say to me rowdy how do i do this and uh i smile and laugh because i'm with people right and i'm like i just say go outside the ground's right there make friends the birds are there (laughs) like notice See who comes notice. to visit you. And then you're gonna keep coming by, right? And you'll start to listen and know mm. what, what each bird sounds like because you're present and you're paying attention. You'll notice the tree blooming. You'll notice the tree losing its leaves. You'll notice things like the water ebb and flow, like depending on how hot it is. Like we all speak the language of earth, but like you gotta slow down and watch to like speak that language again. But it's it even if you're situated on this land here, that opportunity to make that relationship and be humble enough to learn from something that you were taught was like a stagnant, static thing. Like, I think that ability to slow down and listen, I mean, we always think as leadership as someone being in the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something I know we talked at, uh, about at Limbach. Mm-hmm. You know, on the totem pole, the person is not at the top. They're at the bottom because they serve, right? And mm-hmm. so true leadership is being of service not the person
1: that tells everyone what to do. Wow, it, such implications for how an organization could be run, um, and we are we're going to talk more about that because that's a big piece of this conversation. But we are talking today in large part because June second is when the Indian Citizen- Citizenship Act of 1924 was enacted by Congress, and it it granted citizenship to all Native Americans born in the U.S. It wasn't until 1957 that Native Americans could vote. So I mean there's a huge discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important going forward in this conversation that we lay some of the uncomfortable foundation down
0: mm-hmm. that
1: there are some there's some really troubling major events that have shaped this people group and and how non-indigenous um, folks think of them. So I'm hoping you could help us identify a few of those. And this is uncomfortable. And I'm putting that out there for our listeners, because nobody likes to hear about what uh, our ancestors have done wrong and what we've done wrong. But I think it's important for us to acknowledge.
0: Well, and too, on that note, before I kind of talk about history as well, like, I think it's hard because, like, I think sometimes groups of people that are in situations or positions of power can feel that guilt.
1: And think like,
0: well, this is about like white people, or about this is about men, or this is about like upper class people. But it's hard because that that notion fails to catch the nuance of the truth, right? So, colonization is not just a Western Europe phenomenon. Like colonization happened on this continent. Some tribes uh, kidnapped other tribes. Um, force them to be part of their community or would take over groups of people. So colonization happened here. Colonization happened in Africa amongst people that were indigenous to those spaces. So like this way of thinking is the enemy. It's not groups of people, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's the thinking that we're trying to fight. So when you're talking about this specific background, it's interesting because like, it's so interesting to live in this world that says like, follow the rules, don't break the law. And I'm like, oh, you don't follow the rules. You broke the law. You know, you wrote things down. There was these treaties that said you could have these spaces or do these things and over and over and over again, those same laws that were written by the folks in power were broken over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. And the other thing that's interesting too is like, there was an assumption that if you raised us and we just acted white, that we could be successful in this place. Unfortunately, the truth is that's not true. Um, I actually attempted to do that as a young brown boy in Texas, mm-hmm. and people were like, hey, you're brown, like you're not white, you're different. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. I wish we could live in a truly colorblind society, but that's not the experience, right? Right. Um, so when you see even in the question you're uh, the Indian citizen Japan act in 1924 enacted. Well, it's not really put in place till much, much later. Hmm. So 1957, Native people gained the ability to vote. However, that's not even when all folks really had the capacity to vote. It wasn't until the Civil Rights Act where, where it said, hey, everybody has to have the equal opportunity to get to a place to vote and not jump through all these hoops to actually get to that place. And, and so, yeah, 1964 said, yeah, we have to do things about that. But it wasn't even years and years later that we actually could get to a space where people had the capacity to vote. And sadly, it's also one of those things that's beginning to regress because out here in Arizona on the Navajo reservation, and that's like, like hundreds of square miles of space, you can be 300 miles away from a hospital. So like getting to a voting place is difficult and if you're an older person they're making now these older people take these hundreds of miles trips to just put their ballot in the box when someone could have just taken it for them Hmm. right and like these laws and things are even putting some folks current ability at risk to vote and so seeing and recognizing like it's not just this historical thing like some of these patterns Continue to play out here, and so recognizing, you know, there's work to do, right? Yeah. None of this stuff is any individual person's fault, and I wish people could get beyond this concept. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't mean there's not work to do, right? And just by owning and acknowledging, hey, this is what happened. This is where we were. Did you like Phil do this thing? No, of course. You've only been here for a blank number of years. However, Phil because things are the way they are. Like it doesn't mean there's a responsibility to not act or make a difference on behalf of others. Because the other thing, you know, really getting back to how does this work within company cultures and make a difference for the folks that are here. um, When we get different people to the table and different ways of thinking around one another, we can get to new amazing places. Um, you're going to love this idea, Katie. Okay. Um, there's this word, and I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but it's kind of translated as two eyed seeing, right? And so you can look at something with your Western eye okay, and look at, like, what is this problem? How does this problem work? And what solution exists? And then there's your indigenous eye that you close, but look at things through. And the more you look through your indigenous eye, the clearer your indigenous vision gets. And so there's a way to re-envision the world with your Western eye. Not like, you know, I like my cell phone too. I don't necessarily get rid of that thing. Um, However, is there a way to do cell phones in more of an indigenous way that doesn't exploit or hurt people? Or maybe... um, like, you know, when it's time to get some of those metals out of the earth, you know, we exploit a lot of people <clears throat> and like hurt the earth and the environment in that process, right? So how can we look through both eyes to come and leave the worst of both things behind and try to create the best wow. of both things together to create this new way together?
1: And, and the idea is the more you exercise both eyes, the easier that kind of thinking gets
0: absolutely like you're in some ways your your western your indigenous eye will help you see the limitations of your western vision and then also your western vision will give you a sense of well where are we now and what things do we want to keep but your indigenous eye will critique like okay who is this hurting what ancestors does this leave out what relations does this hurt and how can we think in the world? an inclusive way to make sure that we're respecting all things that made this opportunity exist, right? It's really about mutual benefit and reciprocity and seeing you have a responsibility to everything that helped you get here. Do well as well.
1: My gosh, there's so much overlap between what you've just said and looking through those different perspectives and um, the, working in an organization especially as someone who doesn't necessarily think about their indigenous history and i one thing that i really appreciate about was it two eyed see
0: two eyed seen
1: two eyed seen okay that i am i'm definitely going to use that cuz that helps me visualize <laughs> the whole idea of perception being reality and you hear mm-hmm. i mean you hear that mantra a lot perception is reality and as organizational members it's very easy just to get into a groove and routine and this is what i do this is who i do it with and i go home at five o'clock and that's my day is done and i don't even think about what i've done that day i don't reflect on anything but what the concept that you've just brought to us um, i think helps us do in business is it not only helps us be more empathetic which will help grow business right (laughs) Um, but it also it also just makes us a more well-rounded person. I think there's a there's a holisticness there. I don't even know if holisticness is a word, but <laughs> there's a wholeness, <laughs> I should probably yes. say, um, which I also think is very indicative of the first people's group um, culture, right? There's yeah. just a, you're looking at the whole person and the whole landscape, if you will. And we're not good at that, but it is something we have to exercise.
0: Well, and I think uh, I put the link to the TED Talk with two-eyed seeing in the chat. So if you mm-hmm. want to like that in this, uh, yes, I think yeah, people would really enjoy that. I can do that. You're right, though. It is hard to see, and that's one of the things that's nice. I think about like the pain of my experience is not knowing these things and not knowing where to find these things, but bumbling and stumbling through with good with mm. with goodwill, best effort, best intentions, making mistakes, having to apologize. Um, but like you said, I think some of this stuff is going to require new words like holisticness, you know, like two <laughs> I'm seeing is a new concept, right? Yeah. Like as we gain new linguistic understandings of ways of being, like we can understand that stuff more. <laughs> and it's funny because like, I know like And business people have heard like this concept like win-win before right Mm -hmm. like that's not necessarily new but like how often are we really going for full-on win full-on win because we're so steeped in win-lose competition like you know we want to compete we want to win but like you can channel this competitive effort into mutual reciprocal wins um you can understand that like I don't know, it's like you and me, Katie, just today. Like, we haven't talked in months, Mm -hmm. but, like, we created this relationship based on respect and trust. And so we can pick up this relationship and move forward incredibly fast with a high degree of trust. And, like, nothing moves at the speed of trust, you know? um, Seeing in how we can do and work these things. And when we're living in this space of, like, mutual benefit it's amazing what comes forward, but you're right. Like when you look in that indigenous eye first, everything's blurry and you don't understand anything. Um, But it's not unavailable too, right? Like, and you know, we're just talking about indigenous people. There's something that's available in like um, the practices of blackness, right? The Mm -hmm. the ways like, you know, because there's African-American and sometimes black folks call themselves black because they're like, look, I'm not, I don't know even where I'm from in Africa. I just know what it's like to be black in the United States. Hmm. (laughs) But when you get around black folks and see how they practice, like being black with this idea of blackness, you learn about a way of being that is completely new and different to you. And like, That connection to soul that they've had to develop as a survival technique to be in the United States teaches me how to be a better human and then also how to like really maximize my relationship with others.
1: Yeah and and to start winding us down here because I think you've brought up some really key points that address a lot of different areas of life um which gives our listeners a lot to think through. You're welcome (laughs) everybody um but just to summarize some of them One question I keep coming back to, or one thought I keep coming back to is that you've said it's no one individual's fault or problem even, um, but we as individuals can start to make a difference toward a more collective good for Mm -hmm. everyone. So a couple of things you've mentioned are just becoming more aware Mm
0: -hmm. of
1: who we're working with, um, how the things that we say and do affect other people. and then you also mentioned doing your own research on your own background, your own um, ancestral stories and where, mm-hmm. you, where you've where you come from doing the book, book research, but also just talking to people and even listening to podcast episodes like this, I think are hopefully eye-opening and helpful to get us thinking that way. Are there mm-hmm. other things that we as individuals can do to learn more and better support each other? as well as this population in particular?
0: Well, the first thing that I wanted to make sure I said when you asked that question is, yes, it's not your individual fault. However, when things are out of balance, it is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And responsibility is a big part of like being or more understand this this way of being. And yeah. so like yeah, like I want to be responsible and make a difference. However, there's only so much of a lift that rowdy the individual could do, right? right? And so some of it's like drawing at other folks to make a positive difference as well. <clears throat> but I think part of the other thing is recognizing, you know, this population hasn't had access and opportunity in the same way other folks have had access and opportunity. And it's hard because we measure them according to standards of assumption that they had access and opportunities to those things, right? And so sometimes we have viewed in a deficit way, um, which is hard because we're like, well, school was only, you know, it was like 20 miles from school. I had to walk 10 miles just to catch the bus um, and we didn't have access to a lot of great resources. Like, it doesn't mean these people are deficits, right? They haven't Mm -hmm. had access to opportunity in the same way. And so they're gonna need access to opportunity in new ways for you to get the boon of this way of thinking and being in your organization, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's so hard because I think people think, when they think of affirmative action, they think like, oh, I have to hire the lesser person. No, it's supposed to be a tiebreaker. Like, right, if two people are tied, affirmative action picks the person of a marginalized background in a tie but you never hire the less qualified person right yeah yeah. um but when you when you gain someone with this insights knowledge and ways of being you start to like find new ways of being and doing that i think are important to you so a lot of it is i mean the answer is complicated and simple like you know it's just like the story i said when people say rowdy how do i do indigeneity?" i say go outside slow down pay attention like you have the capacity to create a relationship with the ground right like when it's time to meet new people go among them sit down be humble be willing to learn like see what this group of people can teach you and you're gonna find some amazing stuff with this however there's a responsibility and we can't shirk that responsibility either right and um this way of being that i've seen among all you know asian folks black folks Hispanic mm-hmm. folks like there's this way I've, I've characterized it as ongoing relational maintenance that keeps that speed of trust moving really quickly mm-hmm. and it also allows us to lovingly correct one another when we make mistakes right yeah. and like I know like saying love for in a construction company <laughs> on a podcast is probably like what so um, but, uncomfortable.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but like, <laughs> we spend all this time with all these people. And like, what are you going to say? You don't like somewhat love your best friends it's at so one? It's
1: so true. Yeah, there right? is definitely. Our One of our core values is we care. I mean, where right. does that come from if not love? Yeah,
0: yeah. you can't care without <laughs> some degree of love. Some it's degree. Impossible.
1: Yeah.
0: You're like, otherwise, you're, you're almost like, you're, you're, I don't know. It's almost like a form of like pity. Like, if you're not doing it with a sense of love. Right. So, it just takes it being a little bit different. Of course, it's uncomfortable at first. Everything new is uncomfortable at first. But the more and more you look, the more and more your vision uh, crystallizes, the more and more you're in proper and good relations with folks, the more and more dynamic opportunities and ways of being and connection happen. And so it's funny because you're asking how can we help these folks like honestly how i can how you can help you is just go hang out and get to know these folks mm. like they're all across the, this place right go to a powwow you're not gonna know what to do that's okay they know you don't know what to do they'll tell you what to do while you're there yeah gonna see some amazing dances uh, at some point in time sometimes they call everybody out of the stands and we all get in a line and do the same thing together, but it's fun and we laugh yeah. and we food together. And like, all you got to do is step outside of your comfort zone first and then step outside of what you're used to doing and then show up in a place you haven't been before. And all of a sudden, the opportunity for a relationship arises in a whole new way. Um, but it does take you, one, recognizing you got to get outside of that comfort zone mm-hmm. and then two... You're gonna have to do some research to figure out where your nearest yeah. powwow is, because trust me, Katie, when you go to a powwow, you'll never call a meeting a powwow again.
1: Oh my <laughs> god! I fun. believe you. <laughs> and maybe there's some things we could implement, you know, here. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd love to do some uh, some dancing and singing in our meetings. Yeah. That would be post
0: meeting dancing and singing. Yeah.
1: Before yeah. we transition
0: to yeah. the Can next. Can totally
1: time. see people doing that and yes, just having absolutely. so much fun.
0: Right.
1: Oh man, I, everything you have said is so meaningful. There's so much for people to pick up on, especially these last points, these practical things that um, we can start doing even today. And it's, it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, doing research is something I can do right after this. You yeah, know? exactly, yeah. Um, And I also appreciate the the gentleness, but firmness with which you have shared this information. And I think that mm-hmm. there is There's both of those uh, Mm -hmm. to this conversation. There's a gentleness. There's love, like you said, and understanding we're not all going to know. So we have to ask and we have to come in with humility. But there's also we have a responsibility when things Mm -hmm. are out of balance. So I have appreciated both of those things. Is there anything else you would like to leave our listeners with as we close out here?
0: Um, I think the last thing that I want to share, and I think that you've gotten to know this in our time together, right? Mm -hmm. And I, and I think you can speak to this, too. So maybe echo the thought. When you start a journey like this and try to work on diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, something in you starts to change. And this becomes a, a practice of leadership that changes you as a person, that improves who you are as a person. And I don't think people in my world talk about how, when you act or be this way, it's a form of self-discipline and self-leadership that makes you as an individual a better human being too. Yeah. And I wish folks know that it's not a policy practice. It's a heart practice that changes you as a human that makes you a better human. You'll do things at work that'll make you come home to your family as a better people, a person, to the people you love. Yeah. And I wish folks deeply knew and understand that. Um, that's why I call my organization Inclusive Activism, right? It's because when we're actively inclusive, like we find this way of changing and being in yeah. a new way. So, mm. yeah.
1: so good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, I hope this is not the last. So appreciate you Rowdy and all that you've shared today.
0: Yes. Thank you. I appreciate being here.
1: So you have some ways now that you can step outside of your comfort zone and grow and learn. But even more than that, you've heard some concepts on today's show that can either blow your mind and change you from the inside out, or depending on how you want to see the world, you can just gloss over them and go about your day. I hope you choose the former. Allow this world to surprise you and impact you for the better. That's what we aim to facilitate on Limbok Unlocked, and that's what I hope we did here today. Catch you next time.
0: And that was the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it, learned something, got something from it. Uh, If you did enjoy it, please let me know. You can get a hold of me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. And again, to keep a track of everything I'm doing and everything I'm up to, you can go to www.inclusiveactivism.com. Uh, Again, if you're enjoying this particular podcast from Limbok Unlocked, you can do a search on any of your pod servers for Limbok Unlocked to get more information about what they're doing and how they're leveraging difference, leadership, and everything else to make the world of construction, HVAC, uh, and everything else a little bit better. So with that, um, I really hope you deeply appreciated it and got something from it because I know I enjoyed having this conversation. And with that... I hope it's been a good May for you. Get ready for the heat. It's coming in next uh, tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow is going to begin the whole deal. So with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you got something from that, please share, rate, review the podcast. And we will see you next month in June. Have a wonderful day.